On today's episode, I spoke with Jeff Greenfield about going cookie-less and the future of marketing attribution. Jeff is the CEO of Provolytics and has worked across strategy, growth, and marketing for over three decades. He's measured over $5 billion in ad spend and increased his company's market cap by $500 million from a single marketing campaign. So let's dive right into this. One. Let's start uh, with, with an introduction, first and foremost, to kind of get a sense of what matters the most in your world right now. So if you wouldn't mind just kind of introducing what you're building right now and the key areas of within marketing that you're kind of focused on for the moment. Yeah, absolutely. What I'm building now is the next generation of marketing attribution, which is measurement. It tells us what's working and what's not working. And we're talking next generation because we're now living in this new era where cookies are going away. Essentially, the connective tissue of the digital ad ecosystem is being destroyed, it's being ripped apart. And, and many of us have felt it over the years, the ability to target like we used to in Facebook and other platforms slowly but surely has been pulled away. And very soon, in less than a year from now, it's really gonna be ripped apart when cookies are gone from Chrome. And that's the final piece that connected essentially all of the digital trails. And so we need to have solutions in place in order to be able to figure out what's working and what's not working. And that's what Provolytics is all about. And that's what I'm building. I'd, I'd love to dive into that a little bit more before we, we get even more specific. So when you're talking about a cookie-less world, would you mind just briefly and simply kind of giving an overview of what the cookie world kind of look like, looks like right now and why that's going to drastically change so much and what it really means? Yeah, so if I just back up a little bit, cookies are just a little tiny piece of code that sit on your computer. And there's primarily two types of cookies, first-party cookies, and third-party cookies. First-party cookies are when you go to Amazon and you're automatically logged in, uh, it allows a site to know who you are. And those are cookies that are written based upon that domain. So when you log into the newyorktimes.com, it's a cookie that they can read and they can write. No one else can read or write it. Third-party cookies are cookies that are set based upon another domain. So if you're on the New York Times and there's an ad there from DoubleClick, which is owned by Google, they're going to write a double-click cookie. And the advantage with that is that if someone goes from the New York Times to the Wall Street Journal, double-click knows that you were just at the New York Times. They know which ad you saw so they can show you a different ad. And that's how the entire ad ecosystem has worked. So what's happening next year is that Google Chrome is going to remove third-party cookies. And so when you go from site to site, all of the little ad trackers there are not going to know where you were at before. They're not going to know what you saw. They're not even going to know your behavior associated with it. Now, in the iOS world, especially the mobile iOS world, third-party cookies have been gone for a very long time. So if you only live in iOS, you're not going to notice much of a difference. In fact, the ad world kind of shifted a lot of their money towards Android when all of these updates happened with the iOS, with the ITP, the ATT, all of those things. Uh, but this is going to happen across the board with everybody. So this is, this is a big time change for any marketer operating in the digital world. Yeah, I think as a marketer, the natural tendency is to hear this and be kind of terrified of what this means and yeah. how it's all changing. Um, if that's kind of the, the most common reaction, could you make the case for why this is actually going to be great for marketers? Oh, it's going to be the best thing for marketers. Uh, marketers have been sold a whole bill of goods into the idea that the more data we have, the better things are. 
And there's a whole generation of marketers that started and, and have only lived in the world of digital marketing where we get addicted to data. The more data we have, the better. The more personalization we can do, to bet, the better. The more targeting we can do, the better it is. But before digital, marketers didn't have that level of data. Marketers would run these large-scale campaigns, TV print, out of home, and they would set back three or four months to see how things actually worked. Now we have the research of the last 15, 20 years of digital to take a look and see what's actually worked and what hasn't worked. And what we actually know is that the more detailed we get, the more user level we get, it actually decreases our ad effectiveness because the more targeted we get, we get lower and lower in our sales funnel, which means we're actually decreasing one of the most important components of advertising, which is reach. We need to reach more people. The more people we reach, the more people in our funnel, the more opportunity we have to sell whatever we're selling. The more targeted we get, we're getting in that lower part of the funnel. Uh, but the research has showed that being forced up funnel, forcing ourselves to work in this new world will actually be the best thing for advertising. Ads will actually be more effective. It's going to be a little painful for a lot of folks because the way that we've done things is going to be a little bit different. We're not going to have as many choices as we had. And a lot of digital marketers, instead of going in and fine tuning things every day, they're going to have to sit on their hands sometimes and just wait to see what happens. So look, looking forward to this new way of data collection and attribution, what, what does that tangibly look like now from actually receiving data, it, what, what, how, how that looks different uh, going forward, but also in using it? Yeah, so, so the nice thing is that if we went back five years ago, we would be in a really huge, painful situation because we would be back in the old days of marketing mixed modeling where we would have to collect a ton of data, like three years worth of data, and the output of that data would only be at the channel level. So if you were a search marketer, all you would know is if your budget went up or went down, there wouldn't be any insight into what keyword or campaign is actually doing better or worse. Now, because of the advances of machine learning and AI, it's a whole different world. We're actually gonna end up with the same exact output that we had with multi-touch attribution. When we used to put up tags and we used to collect all of this user level data, the output is the same, but we now have a little extra added benefit. It used to be that with multi-touch attribution, we had a report that told us what happened yesterday, how things look. And then as a marketer, my job is in to make a decision on where to invest those dollars based upon how past performance. And that's typically how we do it as marketers. Okay, these guys, this combination of things look good. I'm going to increase that budget 10% and I'm going to monitor it every day. Well, AI can help us do that a lot better. With AI, we can say, hey, next month, my budget is going to be exactly the same. But what I want you to do is I want you to run through millions of possible simulations to figure out where I could put the dollars based upon what just happened. So we're letting AI do all of the work to actually come up with the optimum media plan for us. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't expect that marketers are going to change everything and do it word for word. But what it does is, as a marketer, it lets you sit back, take some of the stress off, and then be able to make a decision. Okay, this, these look like good bets. I'm going to do these three out of five things. So what we're able to do now, the advantage is we're going to let the machines do the heavy lifting because us marketers, we've never been really good at math anyway. So let the machines do it. 
Are, are there particular, you know, whether it's industries or types of companies that you feel are particularly in for a rough go with this transition going cookie-less? Well, I'd say it's the always-on marketers. There's certain industries that are always live regardless of what's going on out there. Uh, those are the folks in financial services. If you notice, like banks, financial services, insurance companies, they are always spending. Uh, pharmaceutical, healthcare, they're also always spending. E-commerce is going to be real tough because a lot of e-commerce companies, most of their budget is spent in Q4. This Q4 will be a cookie-filled Q4. Next Q4, there will be no cookie. So for them, it's going to really hurt them because they're not always on with those budget levels. And so next year, they're going to have to start moving away from cookies, even though they're still there, so they can get geared up for what's going to happen in Q4. When, when you're looking at maybe marketing team building as a whole at going forward, are there particular roles now where you feel like there is outsized potential for growth? Uh, because of everything that's about to happen? Or are there roles that you think are increasingly going to become more important? Yeah, it's it's the marketers. Uh, and I hate to say it's the data-driven marketers because everyone has always said, well, I'm a, I'm a data-driven marketer. In fact, you could say anyone that looks in Google Analytics is a, is a data-driven marketer. But it's really those marketers that know how to operationalize analytics within an organization. And what that means is, you actually have to be able to tell a really good story because all of a sudden, if an organization has always been in GA, always been last click, those last click metrics, the problem for us marketers is that we've always known that they've been wrong. But most marketers do not know how to tell a good enough story to move that organization over. So it's those marketers that can operationalize analytics. And what I mean by that is, is tell the story about attribution, tell the story about how we're doing things cookie list now and show proper analytics, correct analytics, or at least what I like to call less wrong. And that's important to remember that this new generation of analytics is, it's not correct because their models, all models are wrong, some are useful. It is less wrong. And then start to build out dashboards within the organization so that you can start to build consensus inside there. So the marketers that can operationalize analytics, those are the ones that are most valuable to organizations and also most valuable in terms of pay as well too. For, for B2B companies specifically, I think it's, it's particularly relevant to them. I, I want to talk through kind of the tooling going forward and how that mixes up. So I know obviously you're building Probolytics, so would love for you to kind of talk about what that's filling in terms of the gap of what isn't there or what needs to be there uh, versus what what exists currently. But are there also other tools in the landscape that going forward you think are going to be important? Yeah, any tool that's on a website that captures your first party data is going to be a necessity moving forward. So anything, and, and when I say that, you, a lot of folks will say, well, GA does that. And it's like, it does, but it's under all these privacy restrictions. You want a tool that allows you own and control your own data. So things like an amplitude and those types of things that can capture every action that happens on your site. And essentially it, it's like captures everything. And then you can go into an interface and start to build out funnels and stuff like that to understand 
what's happening. Because the fact is, there's not a business today that exists where that web property is not an incredibly important aspect of the sales funnel. It's where folks go to get more information. It's where they go to tell people in their organization about a vendor that they're considering. So that's the first thing is you need a way to collect your first party data. You need a way to collect it to your, uh, to connect it to your internal CRM. So that way, then it can connect to your email. It can connect to your messaging, to your SMS, depending upon the type of business that you have. What's unique about Provalytics is that since we know that user level data is going away, at least that third party data, our focus has been on future proofing the whole measurement process. And so one of the most important aspects of building out measurement is you need to have a unifying metric. And what I mean by that is I need to have something that I can measure across the board. So when we think about paid search, everyone knows clicks. And we think about Facebook, everybody knows clicks. But the problem is, is that if you measure paid search based upon clicks and Facebook based upon clicks, it's not equal because we know a lot of people see Facebook ads, they get exposed several times. And then they open up a tab and they do a Google search and they come through paid search or organic. So we know there's that halo effect there. And then what about podcasts? There's no clicking in podcasts. CTV, there's no clicking. So we have this new generation of what I'm calling no-click digital channels. So what we decided at Provalytics is to use impressions as a unifying metric. Because I don't care, there's a new channel that comes out tomorrow. You will at least know how much you spent and you can figure out the impressions that there were per day. Even with influencers, you can always go back and figure that data out. It's always available, maybe a little bit of extra work. So with impressions as a unifying metric, all of the data that we need is already available at the platforms. So Facebook, we can get all of that data, span, uh, impression, the channel level detail, all of the granular data. And the advantage of using this approach where we're not focused on user level data is that back in the days of MTA, we would have to go through the process of putting up tags to collect data, putting tags in ads. And then we have to wait three to four to five months until we had enough data so it would be statistically valid. Now we can go backwards. We can actually, with Provalytics, we can go back and look at last year's campaign and see how it did and evaluate it through a completely different lens. So that's the advantage that we have is being able to go back because all of the data that we need for every client is already available. It's there. We can just go in via the API and grab it. And for most of our clients that are with agencies, that data is already available in a dashboard someplace. So they just send us a feed. Yeah, you, you've talked about how this, this will impact, obviously, measurement, tracking, attribution, kind of the the latter part of a, of a lot of people's processes, marketers, what, they, what they're looking at to measure an outcome. How do you right. think that all of this impacts the inputs? How do you think it, it changes the types of campaigns that get run, the strategies that people care about or tend to gravitate toward in a B2B company? Well, the key is going to be is that it, there's a lot of changes that are going to happen there. You know, one of the secrets of B2B, the folks who have done really well, is that they've used the feedback loop that's available on a lot of these platforms. And what I mean by that is in the case of Google, they've been capturing those G-clips, those unique IDs where everybody clicks on the paid on the paid ads. And then when somebody goes through their, their cycle in Salesforce as they move 
from a lead to an opportunity. And through that sales cycle, they'll update the value and they'll push it back to Google. And folks that have done this have found, my God, all of a sudden, the value of clicks that are coming in are so much better. It's like Google went out and found these people. They have the capability to do that. With Google, you have to match with the G Clid. With Facebook, it's the email address. But now with the update in iOS, the next version that's coming out, we know that G Clids are going to be stripped away. So one of the disadvantages for B2B folks that are doing this is that that opportunity is, is not going to be there anymore. So in B2B, we're going to have to shift some of the ways that we've done things in terms of that. So that strategy is going to change. We also need to start thinking more up funnel and think more branding. In the B2B process, it's completely different than B2C because it's a group buying decision. It's a usually, especially if it's a large ticket item, it's a longer time frame. And so what people look for is they look for information about your company. And what I've always said with B2B is that when someone gets in your funnel and they say, hey, this will solve the problem that we have, they actually start looking for reasons not to buy. And what I mean by that is they look for a disconnect. Is there something here about this company that could get me fired? And so that's where branding comes in really important. And we've seen some amazing, amazing branding campaigns that have been going on. One of the companies out there, Mega Deals, has been doing some amazing stuff with this B2B account-based marketing that is completely different than I've ever seen before. It's like branding at the level you would typically see in like CPG companies. And that I think is going to be a game changer. But what they're doing is they're leveraging the digital know-how and the digital technology to do it. It has a huge impact, but it's actually a pretty small footprint, which is interesting. A couple, couple more questions here while we, while we wrap up. Um, kind of tangents or, or going off track here. You, you've got a lot of experience in marketing beyond just um, talking about attribution. So I, I want to just get any other trends or hot takes that you have about how things are changing? That, that could be across, uh, you know, things happening now like AI or machine learning, or it could be something new you see coming. But are, are there any other trends or hot takes that you might have around marketing in general? Well, I think the biggest hot take is that if you go back and you look at this last year's Super Bowl, you'll notice that the ads were all kind of the same. They're all like these six second TikTok style ads really fast because the assumption is, is that everyone's brains are wired because they want that fast movement. And so one of the most important things that you can do as a marketer is to be different. You know, the more different you are, the more attention you're going to capture. And one of the advantages of being older, well, there's advantages and disadvantages. Friends of mine say things are moving so fast, it's hard to catch up especially with new technology. And for me, what I see is that as I get older, things are slowing down for me because I'm seeing these trends and I'm seeing that everything old is new again. And what I've seen over the last couple of years in campaigns is that there's no story. It's just buy our stuff, buy our stuff real fast. We're gonna change our outfit. Now I'm wearing a blue shirt. Now I'm a red shirt. It's just wicked fast, just like TikTok. But the brands that are going to win are the brands that are actually telling stories. The, the old style ads, not that long ago, were very emotional. They focused on emotion. Think about the last time you read a book or you saw a movie that made you cry 
or made you laugh uncontrollably, that's what ads are supposed to do. And there's an art form to that that includes a story. The brands that do that are going to win. The other trend that we've seen is that some larger brands have cut out their lower funnel digital ad spend. So they've kind of said, hey, this direct marketing thing we realize hasn't paid off. We're putting all of our money back in branding. A great, advantage, a great example of that is Airbnb. So we're seeing brands that are saying, hey, what worked 20, 30 years ago is going to kill it right now because nobody's there. Nobody else is really doing branding. So if you're a B2B brand and you want to kill it, start thinking big picture. Start thinking TV, like CTV, but tell a story. Don't just sell, tell a story. Uh, that'll make you stand out. I love it. Last question. Ask everybody on the show if there was one or two marketing tools, MarTech, um, that you just really feel like you couldn't live without if it went away, what would those tools be? I'd have to say it's my CRM. I love my CRM. It's the absolute best thing. And I've tried them all, but I'm in love with close.com. It's so simple because it collaborates all the emails and everything. It's just absolutely amazing. I love it. So I'd say CRM. And, and I'd also say ChatGPT. That thing is just absolutely amazing from everything from writing emails, generating story ideas, to actually helping with some code even. But it's just like what I find interesting with ChatGPT is that I can go through and spend three hours trying to get to a single answer but always my favorite question at the end is, how can I have asked the question in the beginning three hours ago to get to this answer faster? And what I found out is that as humans, we ask things of each other, but we're not really good at describing what we need. And what that taught me is that for folks on my team, I sometimes ask for things, but I'm not as descriptive as I need to be. And so ChatGPT is teaching me how to be a better leader and how to describe do a better job of describing what I, what I actually am looking for. And so I, I think that's a good tool for that. 